I'm Anna Lee Ashford. I'm Andrew Keenan Bulger. Hi, I'm Eden Espinosa. Hi, I'm Laura Osnes, and you're listening to Theater People. Hello, fellow theater people. Welcome to episode 12 of the Theater People podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host. I need to say one thing before we get to today's episode. Producing these episodes of the Theater People podcast is one of the greatest creative endeavors Vanya, Mike, and I have ever embarked on. Bringing these interviews to you every two weeks or so truly is a pleasure. We have just one thing to ask of you in return. Help our show reach more people. This is a really easy thing to do. Simply retweet us, share our Facebook posts, rate us on iTunes, and even write a little review if you feel like it. That's all. Retweet, share on Facebook, review us. If you've enjoyed our interviews with Laura Osnes, Annalie Ashford, Michael Mayer, Anika Larson, Daisy Egan, Michael Urie, Andrew Keenan-Bolger, Katie Huffman, or any of the others, help other people to find them. It would mean so much to us if we could see our family of listeners grow, and it just takes a second for you to help. Okay, that's the pitch. We love you, theater people. So now, let's get to today's show. Has anyone ever read you a fairy tale? And take you to places. Back in the winter of 2004, I bought a rush ticket to a Broadway musical. It was a show called Brooklyn. The only thing I knew about it was that John McDaniel, the musical director of the Rosie O'Donnell show, was somehow involved, and that based on the pictures in the front of the theater, the costumes the actors wore were basically made out of trash bags. It seems strange, but the ticket was only $20, and that was back in the days when a rush ticket meant you were likely sitting front row center, so I thought, nah, why not? The unknown actress named Eden Espinosa, who was playing the title role, had my attention from the start. She was beautiful and charismatic, and this almost enchanting mixture of sassy and sweet. The show was good. Not necessarily great, but good. I remember I went back to see it three more times, really just for one reason. And anybody who saw the show or has listened to the album knows what that reason is. It's the moment that Eden, as Brooklyn, takes center stage and sings the song Once Upon a Time. I remember the first time I saw her sing it, I grabbed my friend Mike's knee and with tears in my eyes, I leaned over to him and I whispered, someday we're going to be able to tell people that we saw her in the role that made her a star. And so we did. Of course, we've seen her in everything else she's done since then, from Elphaba in Wicked to Maureen in the closing Broadway company of Rent. So to say it was an honor to sit down with Eden Espinosa for an interview is an understatement. You're going to have to forgive me for being giddy basically the whole time. But anyway, here we go. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I am beside myself. Thank, thank you here. for having me. I'm such a super fan. Thanks. Thanks I'm for glad for that. <laughs> I always have this plan of how I'm going to start and it never works because I just want you to know that I saw Brooklyn seven times. Oh, Lord. I know. It was one of those shows that did a lottery. So it was like you could see it for cheap. Yeah. And I remember the first time I saw it, I'm going way out of order, but I feel like I just have to start talking about Brooklyn. Look, please do. I remember I was with, I don't even remember who I was with, but I remember I grabbed them by the knee and I was like, we're going to come back one day and say that we saw this girl in her star-making role. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for doing that show. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it's my pleasure. You know what's crazy? It's like, at the time, you know, there was like a small following of people that really enjoyed it at the time, but I kind of... 
you know, Ramona and Karen and I are still very close and we talk all the time and um, we think it was ahead of its time. Like if For it was sure. open today, I think it would have done better than it than it did. But a lot of people still talk to me about it and it makes me really happy. Can you tell the people what it was about and then we'll talk about how you guys did it? Because maybe just, like, discuss the plot of the show. Yeah, the plot of the show was, uh, you know, it was a story within a story, like um, a group of, you know, quote-unquote street performers, homeless-ish street performers, putting on this sidewalk fairy tale that they do for passerbys. And so it was a story within a story. Um, And the story of this girl named Brooklyn who... um, was searching for her father and trying to find who she was, and she happened to be a singer as well. And then, you know, um, trouble ensues when she gets on a, the current reigning diva of the pop charts, Paradise, her turf. And, you know, it's it's very American Idol-ish, right when American Idol was, like, getting popular, which was a very long time ago. I'm showing my age. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that, actually, about how, like, would, did you ever think about doing American Idol? You know, what's funny is when we did the workshop for Brooklyn, it was the first year of American Idol when Kelly Clarkson won. And I don't know. I mean, I think when I was younger, I wanted to maybe be on Star Search. (laughs) (laughs) I loved Star Search. But I just, I don't know. I don't think I had the the nerve to, to audition. I would, I can't see myself like being on national TV and, and putting myself through like, Really? I don't know. I just don't think I could do it. Maybe when I was younger. If American Idol come out like when I was the age that Star Search was out, I probably would have had the guts to do it. But when I'm older, I'm like, no way. I don't want to. This is where (laughs) I kind of wanted to originally start. Because, you know, being like a mega super fan of yours, I just imagined that like you were six years old and you were like in the bathtub and you started singing and that ridiculous, huge, beautiful voice came out. And like, is that what happened? I mean, like, I guess my, my question is, at what point did you realize you have this, like, crazy, amazing gift? And then what do you what do you do about that? I, I mean, I always sang growing up, but it wasn't really until um, probably junior high-ish that I would try to sing these crazy, like, Mar- when Mariah Carey first came out, you know, I always sang, like, Motown and stuff with my dad in the car, um... But I remember wanting to sing like Mariah Carey when I first heard her, just being blown away, going, what is this? And I would literally be in my room screaming until I could do it. And my brother, like, pounding on the wall going, (laughs) shut up, like, over and over again. And I remember one time being in the car, um, my dad was, like, running an errand, and I didn't want to get down out of the car. And so... I was singing along to the cassette tape <laughs> of Mariah Carey, and my dad gets back in the car, and I, get, I go, I did it. I, I can sing Vanishing. It was Vanishing, and I was in the eighth grade. Oh my I'm like, I did it. I can do it. And he didn't believe me, and he was like, no, I don't believe you. Let, you know, let me hear it. And I did it, and I remember seeing his face going, like, wow, Okay. So I just kept doing it until I could do it. So your parents didn't, like, drag you to, like, an agent's office and was like, you know, look no. at my kids. Like, it, it, you kind of had to do it on your own. Yeah, my parents were not um, – they were always supportive, but they were not, like, show parents. Like, you know, 
go sing here and go sing here and look what my daughter can do. And it was all up to me and what I, you know, if I wanted to do it, then they would put me in the class or in the workshop or in the whatever. And so what was your journey? Did you do like theater when you were in high school and then that, that sort of it took you on your way? Or like... Yeah, I mean, I, I always loved musicals and, um, but I did theater in high school and it wasn't until I was in high school that like I met other kids that did what I did and, and liked what I liked. And it was like, they knew so much more about musical theater than I did. And so they kind of like, opened up this world to me, um, you know. Can you imagine being the girl auditioning against Eden Espinosa for the lead in the high school play? <laughs> 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 oh, I'm sure she's fabulous. But yeah, I mean, and then and then you you discovered Disney, right? You you did a you worked in the, the theme parks. Yes. Yes, for years and years. I mean, I grew up in Orange County, so Disneyland was always a part of my upbringing and I had other family members that worked there in entertainment when I was growing up. So um, it was very much part of my adolescence and childhood, and so when I got to start working there, um, it was, you know, awesome, a dream. Come you have this really <laughs> cool quote that I read. You, you said, um, I, instead of college, oh, uh, yeah, you said instead of college, you had Disney. That's where you really found your own uniqueness. Yeah. Was there, did you study with, with people while you were working there, or you just kind of learned to train yourself through your work there? You know, I never was in, cons I never consistently was in voice lessons growing up, but the reason why I say that was like my college experience is just because I feel like friends of mine that went to college or conservatories for this field of, you know, of work, this industry, is that's the time when you get to hone your craft and find your voice and find who you are and what makes you unique. And because I worked at Disney, you know, four to six days a week doing five shows a day, um, I got to do that in front of an audience. Like, I mean, I got to find, you know, who, who I was, like what my voice did and, and really like begin to fine tune that. And, um, you know, it was, Priceless. Like, uh, yeah. It seems like that's where you also made the decision that you were going to um, have a no fallback plan kind of approach to your career, which I think is always an interesting thing to discuss with the people that we have on the podcast because mm -hmm. you're all so successful. And some, you know, like we had a Nika Larson on last week and she talked about, she went to Yale and she always knew that she had like a, her Yale education to fall back on. Right. And then other people like you had no fallback plan on purpose. Right. Can you talk about that? Um, I, th I think it was, it wasn't just, it wasn't a conscious decision at the time. It just, you know, I didn't go to school because I was just, I wanted to get out there and I wanted to start working in, in whatever capacity. I mean, I, I, I didn't move to New York right away and I just was, I wasn't ready, but you know, I, I made a very comfortable living in Southern California performing, you know, I didn't have to do any odd jobs because the odd jobs were performing jobs um, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a conscious, I'm just going to go. It, there just wasn't any other option for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, this is what I do. And <clears throat> it wasn't, yeah, I didn't have any other passions really. There are some amazing YouTube videos of you doing the theme park stuff. There's like a whole channel. I saw, I watched you do Pocahontas <laughs> earlier today. You did? Like, oh my God. Yeah. It was yeah. So good. That was a really good show. Yeah. And there's a, a, a moment in that it was the show was called Animazement, and it's kind of like the into the woods of 
the Disney movies. It's all of them like mashed into one crazy world and they collide and oh interesting yeah and uh, there's a moment they called it the montage and it was Pocahontas singing um, just around the river bend Hercules singing go the distance and Quasimodo singing out there and the the three songs just like intertwined so beautifully and it was like a very cool moment in the show yeah look it up it's called the montage it's awesome is there ever are we ever going to see you in a big disney musical on broadway i mean do you have that kind of relationship with disney i don't you know i mean it's it's very separate thing um there it's i mean it's all under the disney umbrella but they're two completely different companies you know um somebody needs to tell them to get you listen (laughs) guys you know and what's cool is i mean i worked there for so many years and then Let's see, like in 2008, I I was asked to record the the fireworks show, the one that, and they've been showing it every summer since then called Magical, and it was a brand new show, and they have like Dumbo flying and Tinkerbell flying, and so it was cool because I always wanted to be that voice in the sky, mm-hmm. you know, so I got to do that, which is cool, and I mean, would I like to be in a, in a Disney theatricals production on Broadway? Um yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? It kind of seems like it would take twenty seconds to make this happen. Let me turn my phone. Back <laughs> <up>. <laughs> who would you um, want to? Like, what? Which one would you want to do? Whether it's a show that exists or not. I, I I don't know. I mean, I think that. I don't. I mean, I. I, I maybe maybe um, Esmeralda or Pocahontas would be uh-huh. more up my alley because I'm a little on more on the ethnic side. <laughs> um, but you know, you, Seth Rudetsky did you know his obsessed with you? And yeah. You were t- it was honestly even though your name is Espinosa, it was the first time I was like, oh, I guess she is. <laughs> I know that's the problem with me. It's like I'm never, I'm never ethnic enough, or I'm just enough ethnic that I'm not quite white. Like, it's it's a very oh, fine line for me. Oh, you're pretty white. Oh, I know. I'm so fair. That's the thing. It's like, well, you know, I get called in for ethnic things because of my last name, and then right. when I walk in, they're like, mm. Oh, hold up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, so it was when you were working at the theme park that you were kind of discovered for Brooklyn, right? Um, I, I auditioned, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Because I was also working at Universal Studios at the time, doing shows there. Um, and, you know, I auditioned for anything that came into town, you know, any national tour, any new whatever, anything and everything, you know, non-equity, waiting in the line and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And at the time, Dave Clemens was doing a lot of, like, casting for major things. And I had been in for him for several things and, like, made it to the very, very end. Um, and so he called me. Uh, he called me up one day and said, there's this workshop I'm casting with Jeff Calhoun and John McDaniel, and it's called Brooklyn, and we've seen a lot of people in New York, and you know they haven't quite found who they want, and we're coming to L.A. to have an audition, and I want them to see you. And I was like, okay. And literally, I got off the phone. I remember this like it was yesterday. I was in the break room at Universal Studios doing the Spider-Man stunt show, spectac- <laughs> rock and roll stunt show spectacular, and... I literally hung up the phone and I was like, um, guys, they, there's this, Dave Clemens just called. He wants me to audition in this workshop. Like, what exactly? Like, I didn't even know what that I, meant. Yeah. And my friends were like, Eden, this is like, th- this means that if you get this, like, you're going to originate, like, this, you know, this show and this role. And, like, it's, yes, like, go go to the audition. And, like, Did they know at know? that point that it was a, a workshop for what would be a Broadway production? Yes. Oh, my God. I just didn't really know what that meant, you know. <laughs> 
So they're like, yeah, this is, yes, this is, this is amazing. You need to go. And I was like, okay. How many auditions did they put you through? One. That's it? And it was at Mary Lou Henner's house. <laughs> of course it was. She holds auditions there all I know. <laughs> it's the new, like, place. To, no. Yeah, it was, it was at her house, and it was just um, Jeff and John and me. And what did you sing? Um, I sang, I believe I sang a part of, um, I never knew his name. Mm -hmm. And at the time, the Brooklyn's, you know, 11 o'clock song, which is at nine o'clock AM, where once upon a time is, mm -hmm. was a different song called Natalie. And, um, there was another thread where, you know, her mom, always loved Natalie Wood, and they used to watch the movies together, and that was a thread that they took out, but the song was called Natalie. and um, Same music, just like different lyrics? No, a completely different song. Oh, oh. Yeah, and then Once Upon a Time was like this very, it was street singer song, and it was very, you know, soft and almost like lullaby-ish. Mm -hmm. um, so that changed later on. So I sang Natalie, and I sang, I believe I sang a part of I Never Knew His Name and did like a little scene. I mean, at what point did you sing Once Upon a Time and shatter all the windows? <laughs> like, well, do you um, remember the first time you sang that song? Yeah, well, I remember when we were in rehearsals for our out-of-town tryout and them saying we're, we're switching things up and John McDaniel playing the new version for me and playing me the ending, and I was like, oh my God. Um, I, I can't do that. And, I, and he's like, you can, you can. And I was like, okay. Oh my god. So we just would yeah. We just tried it and that's Did you have like a, another place you could go with that song if you needed to during your performance? You know what's crazy is I just had this conversation with my husband yesterday because mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to Indiana tomorrow and I've been really sick this for a whole week and I'm supposed to sing Once Upon a Time and I've been coughing like incessantly for literally eight days straight and so my voice is literally in the basement as you can tell <laughs> um, and so he's like I was like I just hope I'm okay by Saturday you know I'm singing Once Upon a Time and he's like is there any alternate no and the last time I was this sick was in Brooklyn and I was out for like a week and a half and I came back to the show and you know, it's going swimmingly in the beginning, and then midway through Once Upon a Time, I start, like, my voice starts literally giving out. Oh, no. and, then, and then it gets to the, ah, ah, more, ah. like, it was literally just shredded. It was just, like, noise, not even a note. It was just noise. And so James Sampliner, because my voice was just, you know, subpar due to coughing, he gave me an alternate that... I ended up using like one time, but my brain couldn't, I was just so used to this one way, so I just like lightened it up. But so there, there is an alternate note, um, but I think I used it one time and then I just figured out a way to make the other one happen. Because so. you're magic. <laughs> my goodness. No. Um, so, okay, so before, <laughs> I want to get back to Brooklyn because Brooklyn okay. wasn't your Broadway debut, if I'm not mistaken, right? You're not mistaken. Okay. So you did. You went into Wicked mm -hmm. uh, as uh, uh, Dina Menzel's standby. Standby. Mm -hmm. And how did that happen? Well, I auditioned. Um, let's see. Before before Brook Brooklyn and and Wicked did their out of town tryouts around the same time, and I remember I I auditioned originally for Nessa Rose, and didn't get it. Um, and, and thank God. You know, well, no, it's, it's, part, it's but, you no. Know. It would have been great. I mean, mm -hmm. but. 
Um, I knew like I already had Out of Town with Brooklyn, which I really wanted to do anyway. But so I auditioned for Nessa Rose, didn't get it. Out of Town with Brooklyn, um, Wicked is Out of Town, and I I actually got. Stephanie Block and I are from the same part of town. We grew up in the same area, and we've known each other for years. She actually um, told me that she got cast in Boy From Oz, and she's not going to continue with Wicked, and she's like... Was she the standby? Yeah, she was the understudy. The understudy. um, And the out-of-town, like she was in the ensemble, and she was the understudy. Um, because she was the original, she did all the early readings and workshops for Alphabet, like before Adina. So Uh she, she had been like attached to the project for a long time. Um, so she's like, I, I got cast in this great show with Hugh Jackman and they're going to be looking for, you know, a standby and understudy and you should go in. So I, you know, talked to my agent, got the appointment and, um, and so yeah, I auditioned and I had a few auditions and then um, they asked me, do I want, they asked me, would I rather be the understudy or the standby? And because I knew that Brooklyn was eventually coming to Broadway, I chose to be the standby just because I didn't want to be, and I wanted my my first, like, you know, yeah. every eight shows a week thing to be Brooklyn. What is the difference between an understudy and a standby? An understudy is actually in the show every night. They have their own track in the show, and they just understudy a lead a standby is not on stage every night you're paid to just standby so you're just in the theater or in the vicinity who goes on first if the lead calls out standby standby first yeah and usually you know in wicked for example there's two standbys glinda and alphaba Mm -hmm. and everything else is an understudy okay so and then and wicked was just a phenomenon from like its first preview Pretty much. I mean, yeah. the, I know I know the reviews were mixed, but the audience reaction was crazy. And what what is it like to be a part of that? I mean, it's rare, you know, that you get to be a part of such a huge, phenomenal hit show. It's your rare. Your first time out. Yeah, it is rare. And it's crazy because I was just coming off of Brooklyn in Denver, our out-of-town tryout, a five-person show with, like, trash as your props and costumes. <laughs> Which are brilliant and I cannot wait to talk about that. And, you know, I remember walking into the Gershwin during tech going, oh my lord, this is crazy. Like, I mean, it was just a completely different world. Um, so, yeah, it's rare. It is rare. And I think people don't realize how how rare it is mm-hmm. to, you know, to be a part of something that amazing and that Huge. And, of course, eventually you take over the role of Elphaba after you leave and go do Brooklyn. You come back to the show. Yes. But what experiencing that original, you know, thing as a standby, is it different than experiencing it as a member of the ensemble or a member of the cast? I mean, did they... I think so, because I got to... I feel a sneeze coming on, so if it happens, it, just... Girl. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> I don't know when it's going to happen, but it might happen. Um, I think it is different because I got to... It was... You know, I was a part of the group, but I got to experience it from the outside. So I got to sit in the audience and, and you know, there was a lot of members of the company that didn't know what things looked like. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't know what what it looked like from the audience to see her fly or to when it changed to the Emerald City. So it was it was just a very cool experience to be a part of the original company, but but experience things from the outside as well. So, um, yeah, I think it was a different, different and thing. Do you remember the first time you went on Broadway as Elphaba? My, my Broadway debut was actually Nessa Rose. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, 
when I got hired as a standby, it was like, well, you're going to cover Nessa as well. Um, and I thought, well, funny, you didn't give me the part before, but okay, no. <laughs> um, so when I first came, um, they were like, don't worry about Nessa Rose right now because they have an understudy that knew the part from, from San Francisco. Just focus on Alphaba. And um, so I did. And I remember having one rehearsal, like, you know, well into the run, previews in the run. And I, um, I had one understudy rehearsal for Nessa and my first one. And then that weekend I got a call because the understudy was on vacation. Oh, my God. And they're like, Eden, you're on for the matinee today for Nessa Rose. I'm like, what? But, but I've, I've only done the wheelchair thing once. Like, I don't know. And, you know, so they're like, just come to the theater now. We'll, like, run through everything. And so my Broadway debut is actually as Nessa Rose. Wow. And which I remember very well. But my, my first time going on for Alphaba was, um, which I also remember very well, was way into the run. Like, Adina hadn't missed a show for probably, like, seven months oh like my, seriously wow. she was you know like i'm not missing the show good for her yeah i mean it was amazing um so and it was also a planned so i knew i was going to be going on oh, that's good and um which was good and bad you right. know because i got to be like, okay, I'm like oh god like tomorrow i'm going on i don't know um but uh it was crazy so i it was calm because i was so prepared like i had been rehearsing the role for a long time. Right. So, um, but, you know, nothing can describe that first time going on that. I mean, I remember during Wizard and I, my voice was so out of control, nerves. I mean, I sounded like Dr. Delamond. It was like, <laughs> my vibrato was like so fast and I was just, I couldn't like get control because I was, my adrenaline was just like racing. But, um, I don't know, Wicked's amazing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And then you, you leave to go do Brooklyn. Yes. And... How, so, I don't even know how to ask these questions. Like, I mean, you got to do this amazing show from the first, um, you know, the first workshop all the way through closing night. Yeah. I guess the major question I have is, like, what did you learn? Like, what was your takeaway? You know, oh, that's a really good question. Thanks, girl. Um, you know what I learned was, you know, the Brooklyn experience I learned so much from, um, professionally and personally. And I remember that I was, I remember there was a point in the run, um, when, you know, it wasn't doing so well and our audiences were like really sparse. And sometimes, you know, like I said, I don't think a lot of people got it. And so you would hear like snickers in the audience and stuff. And that's obviously like hurtful. Um, so I remember, there were some days where it was like difficult for to get up the the I don't know what the word I'm looking for the gusto to do the show because some days it was just like really bleak for me um and I remember Clavant um you know he'd always call me baby sis and I was like I I just like I don't it's hard for me today he's like baby sis they can't all be hits. They can't <laughs> yeah. all be hits. Let's come on. It's, it's, <laughs> it's us. And we would always do a the five of us, like a thing. And, you know, it. the five of us really relied on each other. Like, you know what? We, we're, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, if, so it doesn't great. matter. We're, we're, we, we really like bonded. So what I, what I got out of it is like, no matter what the response is from audiences and critics, 
you're still blessed and fortunate to be doing what you're doing. And remember why you put so much love and energy into this piece because it's yours. You know, it was the five of us and we created it and we believe in it and we think it's beautiful and let's just go out there and do the show. We got the shut out. I, mean, I remember honestly thinking, sure, it's not a perfect show, but there was you were so good and the costumes were so good. I I wanted at least I wanted at least Tobin Ost to be oh, so nominated because it was just so yeah. in so creative. Yeah, I mean, can you explain to people who might not know the show what the maybe what the why they were created the way that they were yeah. and what they were? Yeah, because we were like a band of street performers. Everything that we used in the show or wore in the show, besides our base costume, was made of stuff that you could find on the street. Um, and uh, and we never left the stage. Like, we would create scenes and just, like, pull in ropes, and there was no set changes. We just did everything ourselves. So, for example, when Paradise and Brooklyn are singing in Carnegie Hall or Madison Square Garden, and we have gowns, you know, my gown was completely constructed out of I Heart NY plastic bags bags. but looking like couture like it was gorgeous and Ramona's was you know a mermaid dress made out of black trash bags and caution tape like it was just beautiful gorgeous you know and like a tiara made out of um chip bags Mm -hmm. or like a halo made out of like a one of those fluorescent round lights yeah and wings out of of like hangers like dry cleaner hangers yeah it was just it I, I we all wanted that for him, just because we he deserved it. I mean, if anything, we thought he would for sure get a nomination. Um, yeah. You know, it wasn't meant to be. You know, not everybody sees things for what they yeah. are, and that's okay. I wanted to talk about the cast recording of Brooklyn, because mm-hmm. it was Brooklyn Live. And yeah. I didn't know until I was doing the research for this interview that I thought they just recorded it, like, at a performance. Oh, but yeah. But they actually brought an audience into the, the studio. The studio, yeah. That's so wacky. Yeah. Why did... That's awesome. I mean, it's awesome, and it seems like it really... You know, you've said that the audience reaction to the show really affected your performance, or yeah. really helped you. Yeah. So I guess... So maybe, you know, wh- wh- why... 
Um, you know what? I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why they just, I don't know if, I really don't remember. I don't know if it was the technology at the time couldn't get as good of a recording as it would have gotten in the studio. Like, I really don't remember. Um, and I think that they just, I think the reason why they wanted to do the entire show live instead of just the songs is because it just is a through line that like maybe the songs by themselves, they just didn't think it was going to translate as well. Like, mm -hmm. I really don't remember why that decision was made. I don't, I don't know why. But it works. I mean, it, it yeah. works. You feel the excitement of the audience. You yeah, know? yeah. And I swear to God, no, when I found out that it was live, every time you would you sing Once Upon a Time, even to this day, I'm like, she's gonna, I know she's going to nail it. I know she's going to nail it. <laughs> she can do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, it's such, I'm, I'm so grateful to get to talk to you about it because I was such a fan of the show. I'm so glad. Does it get, I actually was thinking, I wrote this in my notes. I was at, wanted to ask you if it gets done other places because, and this is a bullet point, are there even other people who can sing once upon a time that's a good question I don't know I don't uh, you know what to be honest with you I don't I don't you know one time I was teaching a master class and this little this young girl I mean she was I don't know maybe 14 she sang once upon a time for me like they, they're you know they sing for me I coach them and she was like she like voluntarily chose, you know, I'm going to sing Once Upon a Time for Eden Espinosa. And she nailed it. Like, really? nailed it. And, and other girls have done it before. And it's a diff. it's stupid. Yeah. Like, literally, but it's But can that 14-year-old girl, do it's one thing to be able to sing that song. It's another thing to be able to sing that song eight times a week. Yeah. For an open-ended run. Sure. So I mean, sit down, 14-year-old. And... <laughs> You're killing me. I don't think, like, you know, at the time, uh, I, I just think that it, it, nobody should have to. It's too, it's crazy. Yeah. The Everybody's vocals in that show are crazy. Yeah. And it's just ridiculous. Karen Olivo also came out of that, that show. Mm -hmm. Did I, yeah. I say her name Olivo. Wrong? I always have said it the other way. I don't know why. I think it's because it looks like olives to people like Olivo. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. also a really big fan of hers. And every She's time, amazing. People are like, you're saying her name wrong. I'm like, well, that's what it is to me. <laughs> that's fine. I'm sure she's fine with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then you go back in your triumphant return to Wicked. Yeah. How did that... Okay, what number alphabet were you? I was uh, three. Okay. Who was, um, who was between you and Adina? Shoshana Bean. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and how did... Did they just invite you back? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, they did. So, and how long did you do it? Um, that first time on Broadway, I did it probably like nine months, and then um, Megan and I went and LA. opened the LA company. Are you and Megan Hilty really tight? Yeah. Okay, because we put out on Twitter that you were coming, and uh -huh. everyone, I was like, "What are your questions for you?" Nespinoza? And so many of them were like, "What's the sex of Megan Hilty's child?" Oh and my god! I was like, why would Espinosa even know that? Yeah, doing my research. We are tight. I don't, I mean, and, you know, I knew a while ago that she was expecting before, like, the news was out. I don't know the sex, though, and if I did, I wouldn't tell, but I don't know. Yeah. I would say I do know, but I can't tell you. <laughs> but I don't. I don't even think she does. Oh, I don't. Really? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. How far along is she? Is it creepy to talk about it? No, it's not creepy to talk about it. Um, I think she's, I don't, maybe, like, four months-ish? Oh, wow. Congratulations, Megan Hilton. Yeah. I don't know the exact of how far along. But wow. like, yeah. She's going to so be a mama. went and did it in L.A. Yes. And that was fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was amazing. That was a stupid question. No, not a stupid <laughs> question. It was awesome. And, you know, I mean, I did the show on and off for seven years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Would you go back and do it again? I don't know. I don't know. One, I think I'm on the older side um, <laughs> for the alphabets that they use now. Really? Yeah, I think so. Um, but I, I, I don't know if I would. Well, that show's still going to be running in 70 years when you're old I can be Madame like, Exactly. I know. I know. I'm already putting it out there. <laughs> I really am. And then you went and did the closing company of Rent with my friend Justin Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. Isn't he? He is the funniest. And one of the most crazy talented people I've ever met. He's so good. I know. Come back to Broadway, Justin. Please. Black Roger. Yes, it does. Oh, yes, that's right. He was the first Black Roger in yeah. Broadway Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And he was amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, did you grow up listening to Rent? Was it one, a show you always wanted to do? Are you kidding me? Yeah, absolutely. It was the first Broadway show I ever saw, um, actually, in New York on Broadway. All I wanted to ever do was be in Rent. I auditioned a million times. I never got it. Auditioned for the movie and didn't get it. And so to be asked to be a part of the closing company was literally the most full circle dream come true moment I have ever wow. had. Yeah. The recording that you that we see, like there's a brilliant like rec- like professional recording. Was that the mm-hmm. final performance? Yeah, it um, there it was a mixture of two. Like they did, we came in one day and when they were actually on stage with us to get like some crazy shots. But the majority of that show is the final performance. Yeah, I was watching the the uh, take me or leave me with Tracy Thompson uh-huh. this morning, and I was thinking, I'm like, she's. I was starting to cry, thinking it was the last time you were ever going to see it, and I don't know you, or yeah. if you were ever going to sing it. You yeah, know? and I was like, they're going to they're going to ball at the end of this song because it's the last time they're ever going to sing. I mean, what yeah. was the emotion like in the last performance? It was crazy because. They invited they they invited so much alumni and I mean over the years it was like twelve years it ran on Broadway, so it was like every every Mimi was in the audience every Maureen was in the audience every Mark was in the audience you know, original cast members are on the in the wings like cheering us on towards uh. the end because they were going to come on stage and and do Seasons of Love with us and you know it was just the the most electric energy of like love and support and celebration that could have happened in one night it was That's it was unbelievable there will always be women in rubber flirting with me give me a break every single day i walk down the street i hear people say baby it's so sweet ever since puberty everybody stares at me boys girls i can't help it be kind and don't lose your mind just remember that i'm your share a lot. Yeah. Do you guys have a, a thing? Like, do you guys have a rapport? I mean, was she excited for you that you were closing out the part that she had originated? And- I didn't talk to her about it. I mean, we have a... We we don't talk on a regular basis, but, like, if we see each other somewhere, it's definitely, like, a nice thing. Yeah. Um, so, I think that... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was her standby, and then I, you know, did Maureen as well, so it's like I've done two of the major roles that she has done as well. 
Um, well, like at, at pivotal times, like you opened Wicked with her on yeah. Broadway, and then you like closed out uh, yeah. the show that she, you know, brought. Yeah, I mean, and when I was younger, we, you know, like I talked about, Rent was like the end all be all for me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I stage door got a picture with and, and Maureen was like I if I do anything in my life I have to play Maureen like literally it was that big for me and I got a picture um with her and Tay you know as they're leaving yeah. the theater and then on opening night of Wicked at the party like I pulled Tay aside and I was like hey I know you don't know this but like Here's my bet. Here's this little tidbit of info. I have this picture from 1996 of the three of us. And if you can, if you have a moment to grab her away, can we get, you know, one in the same position? And then I'm going to give her like a little thing, like telling her about how she influenced me and how much like being her standby is like an honor for me and this and that. And so we did. And so I gave her like a side by side thing and it was just like a cool thing because you never know like I remember getting the job going oh my gosh I'm like I'm in Dina Menzel standby I can't believe it wow you know it's just a cool thing and and um there's the legend of the Galindas that they each leave a note for each other you know when like the one Galinda's leaving and the other one's coming yeah do the alphabets have anything like that um I think there were as far as I remember there was a little and you know what's crazy I don't even remember what it is now but there was I think maybe it was this little um, green, like, Buddha head little statue thing. It was something that Adina had in her room that we would pass on to each other. And I had it in mine, and then I passed it on. So I don't remember if it was a Buddha head, but it was something that she had in her dressing room. And, yeah, the Glinda's, there was a book like what how to be popular and it was just like a silly book and they would like write a note and then pass it on i hope they still do oh that's so i hope fun. they still do that because yeah. it's you know it's theater yeah it's the theater yeah can we talk about your solo shows yes please so you did a show called me right yes and uh did billy porter direct that Yes. Okay, love Billy Porter. Of course. Um, and I don't know much about it. I just know that you performed with Paula Cole. I did. I'm assuming that me, the song me, Paula's song is in your show. Absolutely. My producer Mike and I are both obsessed how with could Paula you, Cole. How could you not be? Oh my God, I Seriously, know. she's a beast. How did you make that happen that you got to perform with her? You know what's crazy is I didn't make it happen. The producers that um, were doing this show with me... Um, uh, it was uh, Chris Isaacson and Shane Shale. They're both based in L.A., and they used to have a production company together called Upright Cabaret. They both are now doing their own thing, but at the time it was, you know, getting Cabaret started in L.A., and um, they asked me, like, would you be interested in doing a concert, a, a, a series of them, and, uh, you know, let's find a director, and what do you want to say? And I'd never done anything like that before, so Billy really helped you know, shape it and and form, help me decide like what I wanted to say and what I want the show to be. And um, so, yeah, it was amazing. So we started it at this, this, their small venue called Mark's and then we brought it to Joe's Pub and then we ended it at the Ford Theater in um, Los Angeles. So it was kind of like a work in progress. Like every time we got to like fix the show and make it better and it got bigger every time. And they had an idea. Um, why don't we reach out to Paula Cole and see if she'll be your special guest? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like oh good luck making that happen. Like why in God's name would she ever like 
you know, just because uh-huh. I'm singing her song, like, and my show's called me, like, I don't. Why I just would say for the haters out there that you know, like, the, the I don't want to wait. It's like you know, yes, maybe that's a played out song, but get the album This Fire. It is, it the is sickest it's album. The, it's timeless. Yeah. It's absolutely timeless. It's nothing you've ever heard Paula Cole ever do before. She has her amazing pop songs on it, but she has like uh, just uh, you just just where do put I put this fire? <sighs> Bright red feeling, this tiger lily down my mouth. She wants to grow to 20 feet tall. Oh, jeez. Come on. I just just sang with you, Nessa. Um, Yeah, so they had this idea and they, they like reached out to her management and she said yes. Unbelievable. I mean, what? I know. Are you kidding she me? She is the most incredible live performer. We saw a, a concert. It's the most amazing concert we've ever been to at the... Ever. What was it? The Rose Room? It's the, what, the Time Warner Center? Where it's only like 200 yeah, yeah, yeah. seats. Yeah. And it's like Alan over... Rose, the, the Allen Room. Yes, yes. yes. Allen Room. Okay. And it's overlooking Central Park and it was like just her like yep. in a red dress and like 200 people on a piano and it was like this sick. Was it the armpit hair though? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would have welcomed it. I would have welcomed it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. I'm just wa- I just wanted Growing to know. Out, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Google that scandal, you guys. It was Awesome. Amazing. <laughs> um, oh, and your album. Yeah. I read this really cool quote that you said that you were, it was uh, part of your Kickstarter video. You were, mm-hmm. you were, you had said that, you know, people always ask you when you're going to have an album, when you're going to have an album. And you were saying you were waiting because you wanted to figure out where you fit. Yeah. And I was thinking like, what did you decide? Well, I mean, I think ultimately uh, people have been asking me to do an album for years and I just didn't feel... I just didn't feel compelled to. I didn't feel like I had anything really to say or to offer. And I just didn't feel like it was the right time. And I think the conclusion I came to is, you know, um, that I'm a musical theater actress. But Mm -hmm. I also have, you know, my own thing that's different from everybody else. um, Where I'm not quite pop, but I'm not sometimes not quite like legit musical theater. I'm kind of... In between, and so I just wanted to showcase um, modern Broadway composers and the the beauty that these people write every day, and that these songs stand alone. And if they mm-hmm. were arranged a little bit differently, they could easily be on the radio, and you wouldn't know the difference. And so that's what we did with my album, and that's it's what so it cool. is. When my you, husband always says like that: Broadway people will always go and do something else to show that they're different or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's so cool that you took Broadway, that you, a Broadway star, took Broadway songs and just did them a little bit differently. Yeah. So awesome. Thank you. It's a great album. Thank you so much. I'm very proud of it. Amazing. Yeah. Yay, grab bag. Ghetto Stoli Blueberry bag. Well, where's the Stoli Blueberry? I, saying, I have to start bringing it. Andrew Keaton asks the same question. Um, okay, maybe you can do like three. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. okay. There's some really good questions in there. 
Now, do and I read? Keep going until you yeah. read one of the really yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh, oh, I grabbed like three. Okay, so do I read it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and, and say who it's from because people love to. Okay, this is from at Emily Likes Stuff. What was your favorite part about being in the closing company of Rent? We kind of answered that. Emily, I love you. She's an avid listener and she loves you. I think it's just um, ultimately it was the best summer of my life. Rent, Rent, you know, forms an instant family. And I think it was being able to stand on that stage and see where I was 12 years ago in the audience and, and my actually having my dream be realized. Although albeit 12 years later, it doesn't matter. Just knowing that, like, dreams do come true and everything happens in its time and nailing it. Yeah. So, Good answer. All right, Emily, that was for you. Um, does that count as pay. one of the three? No, we'll, okay. do, we'll do three more. Okay, I just wanted her to feel like I answered exactly. it a little bit. <laughs> okay. This is at KLO143, at CLO143, which might mean at KLO I love you, because 143 oh, is like sometimes a code for oh, right. I love you, because there's I, four letters in love, three letters in you. Did you uh, know that? I didn't. Wait, I was thinking one, no, I was thinking it was like the sign for I love you, but that's not. Yeah. Uh, I'm just forgetting. It's okay. Just, yeah. okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, on fail. to the question. No, no, no. No, never fail. <laughs> never fail. At KLO143. Who would win a f- ooh? This is a good one. Oh, Who would win one. in a fight, Maureen or Alphaba? Oh. It's a good one. Here's the thing. I think um, Maureen is scrappy mm-hmm. and she can throw down, but Alphaba has powers. Exactly. If if you could take away Alphaba's powers, Maureen might. But here's the thing: Alphaba's scrappy too. <laughs> I know. Even before she realized her powers, she's like, "Listen, don't mess with me." And she's had a harder life. I feel. For sure. So Maureen's mean, a little more like, you guys all love me and I know it. And right. Alpha was like, please love me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, that fuels a deep fire in a female. Exactly. Either way. And um, not for nothing, I would love to see that fight. Yeah. It would be pretty great. Yeah, totally. It would be pretty great. <laughs> the hair pulling. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. They both, they both have merit. It'd be a draw at the end. It'd be a 17-hour fight, but it'd be a draw. It would. It would. Good all right. Question. There we go. Okay, ready and at Jackie and John, is Fontaine still your dream role? Are there others? Yes, Fontaine is still a dream role of mine, um, for sure. Les Mis is like my ultimate favorite, ultimate. Um, I'm obsessed with everything about it. I'm very precious and particular about interpretations and everything and Ramin Karamlu is my spirit animal I'm obsessed with him and I strive to be the female version of him in my life like literally <laughs> he changes the game people yeah um, that's what everyone is saying that production is beautiful yeah. I, I enjoyed a lot of a lot of aspects a lot of performances um, so yes Fontaine is a dream role of mine and are there others yes I would love when I'm I mean, I think I'm a little, still a little too young for it now, but I would love to play Diana and Next to Normal, no oh, doubt. Yes. Um, those are probably the top two top on my list right now. Oh my god, let's make that production happen. I would love to. Oh, that 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 sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like to mix it up in the Soli bag. Yes. Okay. This is at PNT twenty two. What is the funniest thing that has ever happened to you on stage? Um, there has been so many things 
that has happened around me on stage. So, I mean, and they've all pretty much been in Wicked where it's like literally the show stops and everyone starts laughing. Um, <laughs> it hasn't really been directly me. It's been to my like scene partner. Um, I just have been the non-professional one that like can't keep it together. Um, two, two instances come to mind. Uh, one time I was on for Adina and Norbert flew in on the rope at the scene where the fallen house scene where they're fighting and he swings in and this was happened to be like my family was in town from California to see me go on and like a lot of people at this performance. He swings in on the rope, he gets down on his knee, let the green girl go. And I noticed that like he's not getting up right away and he's kind of getting up and a very weird position and he's pulling down on his oh, no. on his like tunic shirt thing <laughs> yes. and then I see Kristen is like her head is down and her shoulders are just like shaking <laughs> up and down and he had split his pants from front all the way like they were just open and everyone is laughing so I'm being held by the guards like Dying, everyone is laughing, and he's like knees together, trying not to <laughs> expose himself. Exactly. Wow. That's like one of my faves on Broadway. There's so many. Megan uh, and I have. Megan and I could like literally write a book um, on how many funny things. Should write a book about that because I yeah. feel like that is every. That's what everybody wants to hear about. Yeah. It's yeah. There's Those are one fun. other one, if you don't mind. I'm gonna. No, find, I don't mind. This organization reached out to me and okay. wanted me to ask you this, and they seemed like a really cool organization. So okay. Like oh, this is it. Oh wow, you're witchy. You picked on the first. <laughs> it's true, and they're green. Did you notice? Yeah. <laughs> um, at arts and color, what does it mean to you to be an artist of color? Interesting. I know we already talked about this a little bit. Yeah. Um, it means. You know, a lot of, funny enough, like a lot of people don't think that I am an artist of color. Um, and I think that, I wish there were more, you know, I think that, you know, with Lynn manuel like writing. Moment of silence, Lynn manuel Okay. Amazing. <laughs> um, writing a lot more for, you know, um, Latinos. Um, I, I wish there was more. And I think that it's important, you know. Um, so I am proud to be an artist of color. Um, there aren't that many females that, like, have, you know, Mandy Gonzalez, Sarah Ramirez, mm-hmm. um, Sada, sorry. Sada. 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 You know, um, so I'm proud. I'm, I'm proud to be Latina. Um, you know, it's very... Do you very, speak Spanish? A, I'm, I'm slow. I'm slow. I, if I... If you... St- Ship me off to Mexico, I'd be fine. I could get myself around. Mm-hmm. But I just need I need to practice. It's just like no one around me practices. Um, so maybe I should instruct all my friends that speak Spanish. Like, only... <laughs> Spanish only, please. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it makes me very proud. Well, all I can say is, Eden Espinosa, I am... Such a big fan. It is so nice to meet you. Your reputation precedes you. Everybody that I said we were interviewing you, everyone that has ever met you or knows you, was like, she's the nicest. She's the nicest person. That's nice. I'm glad. Thank you for being on the Theater People podcast. It has been such a thrill. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I've had a great time. Even without Stoli. Next time. (laughs) We're going to have you back. And next time we're bringing the Stoli. Okay, amazing. 
Today's episode was produced by me, Mike Jensen, and Vanya Arslanian. I want to take a second to say how hard Vanya and Mike work on these episodes. All of the beautiful editing you hear, the music, the cuts, the sound effects, that's all them. This podcast couldn't exist without them, so thanks, guys. I love you both so much. Thanks also, as always, to BroadwaySpotted.com, Davenport Theatrical, Steve Tipton, who manages our website, Bradley Bean for writing and recording our theme music, the staff at Oswald's, and Ellen Marsh. We'll be back in two short weeks with If Then and Rent star Anthony Rapp. Until then, theater people, tell your friends about us and keep coming back. Let's get the theater community talking. Again, the moment.